Welcome to After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators, presented by Amro Music. This is where we share ideas and work towards solutions to better serve your students. This week, Nick Averwater continues his conversation with Alexis Yatushis Derryberry, general music teacher at Stewart's Creek High School in Smyrna, Tennessee. Before moving to Stewart's Creek in 2021, Alexis spent nearly 20 years teaching general music and choir at the elementary and middle school levels. She's also president of TMEA, the Tennessee Music Education Association, and an adjunct music education instructor at Middle Tennessee State University. In this episode, Alexis shares ideas that will help keep students interested in music throughout elementary, middle, and high school, and how Tennessee's strong musical traditions create unique opportunities for students during their school years and beyond. She'll also talk about the challenges for women in leadership positions in music education. Our conversation was recorded February 9th, 2022, and it's broken up into two episodes, and this is part two. Well, let me ask you this, because of course you've, you've uh, had a number of experiences teaching both just a wide variety, but also a wide age groups. And so I suspect you have had a lot of exposure and experiences with what a really intentional and well thought out transition plan for students to move and progress through music from one grade level to the next. And I suspect along the way, you've also seen some where there's dead ends and we lose students and they decide to exit music because we lack that intentionality or that progression. What are some of the signs of a healthy progression for students as they, you know, move through the various grades and what can educators perhaps do at a high school or a middle school to ensure that progression works smoothly into their program? I believe that our middle school teachers really should reach out to those elementaries that feed them, whether it be the jazz band coming and playing in May so that they have some visibility, whether they're Zooming with each other, uh, with the fifth graders or other classes trying to do some collaborative things, which I know this, this, is, this is hard to do, uh, and it's not something that you can do all the time, but I think middle school and high school directors should be should be conscious about reaching out to those programs. If a middle school teacher knows that their elementary teacher is using takademi or another type of music, uh, another type of notation or um, uh, syllables, then that teacher can then continue that and then make the transition to numbers or even work with that uh, director that's in elementary and have them start transitioning uh, into those numbers to help feed that program and to help that transition easy easier for the students because you don't want your students to go, oh, uh, in, in elementary we're using Takadimi, but now he wants me to change to numbers or she wants me to change to numbers. I, I'm not going to do this. So I think knowing what the philosophy is happening at the elementary school will help that transition into middle school. And then the same thing for high school, just being able to reach out to those teachers and making them feel valuable and a part of that musical community, I think is huge. I know a lot of time elementary teachers, music teachers feel just looked over and they don't necessarily feel value from the middle school and high school directors. And I think just 
a simple email or reaching out to see if you can align uh, your philosophies and what you're teaching would speak volumes to the elementary students and then again to the middle school. Um, I know um, something that Philip Gregory and I would do at Siegel is we would do a tour of our feeding elementary schools with his jazz band and my select choir. And so it was a great challenge for those students. We made them set up all the sound equipment. They learned how to um, how to strike and set up the sets. It was a really great learning tool for them, but we also got to get some exposure into the elementary schools and let them see what was offered to them. And then we continued that once we um, were in middle school. We had a great relationship with the high school and were invited to come over and see the musicals and see band concerts, see percussion ensemble concerts, and that really created a community. And I think that's so important. And so I think just directors reaching out to those feeder programs and letting them feel that value is a huge step. Wow. And, and, and you mentioned, too, uh, uh, the words that I heard really stand out in that one-on-one communication is appreciation and relationship, you know, just making those elementary educators feel appreciated and a part of the program and that their success is an important part of your success. And then I assume in the events, I, I guess if there's an educator that's listening and they're not doing this and they think, well, I don't have a jazz band, or I, I guess what the, a successful event looks like is giving the students a visual of what they can be? I mean, is that really the most important thing in this? I think so, absolutely. Just take a pep band over. Take take over a small quartet to play. Take over your seniors. Take over your eighth graders. I think just having some familiarity with the program that they're going to, whether it be elementary to middle or middle to high school, that's such a scary transition time. And we know, uh, and I know personally, had I not been involved in music, who knows where I would have ended up and what crowd I would have ended up. And we want to we make sure every student has a place to belong. And I think that's another thing that's really great about general music. It offers another place, another musical safe place for people to belong to but yes just being a being just being part of that community and um, coming over and maybe helping with a, a summer uh, drum camp or help having your older students help out with a choir camp that you're having all those things are great and it's such a great opportunity for your older students to give back yeah. Well, and the word that stuck out there was fear. And I could see so much. I mean, I, I, I haven't been a middle school student in quite some time. It's been a long time, actually. Uh, but but I, I have to imagine having daughters now myself, you know, starting a new school year is scary. Having new teachers and new friends. If you're starting in a new music building, that can be even scarier. And I imagine the idea of starting in a new band or a new orchestra, a new choir, new music is even scarier. So that educator simply being... Um, that welcoming presence, I suspect, means a lot and makes a considerable yeah. boost in retention. Be, just recognizing a face is so big. Yeah. Um, I was walking through the middle school the other day, and one of the sixth graders who I happened to meet at an honor choir event a couple of weeks ago stopped and just stared at me, Miss D. Hey, and it was just the coolest experience. Just seeing a familiar face sometimes is is all they need to feel encouraged and feel safe. Yeah. Wow. Well, a lot of great insights there. And, and again, if, if our goal is, is 
you know, mu- engagement with music in this very broad sense. You can see where that is such an important part of this process is creating that continuity. You know, one of the things I would love your opinion on, um, because you do have such a global perspective from the various classes that you're teaching, and also in your leadership capacity at TMEA, um, you know, where do you see the music education field being five and 10 years from now? And, and what path do you see the field taking to get there? I had such hopes uh, with my leadership time in TMEA to push us forward and and do things that I think are the future of music education, including modern band, including more guitar, um, including digital music. But COVID uh, really put a damper on those plans, and we just had to survive for the last couple of years. Um, And I'm so glad we're going to be able to offer a conference this year, but I wasn't able to push those things that um, that are so dear to my heart uh, into our state. So I'm hoping that will still continue. I, what I see in the future is more guitar. Um, I'd love to see a state guitar initiative where we can um, offer those programs. We're in such a great location, being so all of us so close to such musical centers such as Memphis, such such as East Tennessee has amazing bluegrass and roots within uh, the blues. And then here in, in Middle Tennessee, we're, we're just so close to Nashville. I don't, there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a reason why we don't have guitar programs, while we don't have sort of recording industry and commercial music in our schools. I think we're, we're it's, it's time and that's going to be the future and the now of music. It's not just the big three, choir, band, and orchestra. I think we have to look past that and see what other opportunities we can offer our students, whether it be recording industry, artist management, um, as well as uh, back of house type of things, rigging, um, doing, being the guitar tech for somebody. There's just so many opportunities uh, that we can offer those students that don't follow in that don't fall in that box that we're so used to. That's that's what I see, Nick, is the future. And I might add band instrument repair on there because uh, yes. those guys are hard to come by out there. So any listeners that know students that want to get into band instrument repair, tell them to give us a call out there. They're <laughs> hard. Great... Repair technicians are not easy to find. Great point. Well, so reflecting on your time at TMEA, one of the things I would love to talk to you about, and and I know we're going to wade into some deep waters on that, but that's okay. This is why I love having these conversations. But I would love to just hear your perspective of the realities of being a female leader today, some of the challenges that you face, and some of the advice that you might share with uh, other females who are either in a leadership position or perhaps starting out as a music educator. That's such a great question. Even though we're in 2022 uh, at this point, there I still do feel that there is some resistance to women. Um, I've had my share of run-ins with people that thought, uh, I'm, I'm going to go around her and go to the executive director instead. And and that that's hurtful. I women, we are just as valuable and we have even different perspectives um, and different experiences than our male counterpoints that can help move our art and our 
education forward. And so I, 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 I encourage any young music educators to not be afraid to step in. Um, we do seem to have, and not just in Tennessee, but all over the nation, we do seem to have uh, the new generation that doesn't want to step in and volunteer. There, there seems to maybe be fear. And I know that with my experiences, being volunteering and starting at the very lowest level, moving stands for a conference or helping with hospitality for a regional event. You get such a great perspective on how things run outside of what you know. So you get to see how different programs run, how different parts of the state run, how things work within the entire nation, and that just don't be afraid to volunteer your time so that you can give back to the organizations that have given you so much. I know when I started out chairing small events or doing um, hospitality, I thought, I want to give back to this organization. This organization has taught me how to teach choir. This organization has created a place where my students have been successful and learned. And and I think sometimes young directors, and especially females, it it can be overwhelming at times when you are the only uh, person in the room that is perhaps a female. And, um, and, and that does create a difference. It's, it's tough to fit in with guys sometimes. And you'd want to not discredit yourself and your values uh, when you are trying to make sure you've got a foot in the door. So that's such a great question, Nick. Out of curiosity, when you find, them, when you find yourselves in those situations where perhaps maybe somebody um, intentionally or very much unintentionally sends the impression of being less than, how do you, how do you, are you going to address it right there on the moment or um, what's your strategy on those? That's a great question. I am so (laughs) non-confrontational. I really go out of my way to make everybody feel comfortable. And so I, when that has happened, I have just put that in the back of my mind and used that as a reflecting point to ensure I don't do that to somebody. Um, and then I also try to not hold that against somebody. I know that it's working in our field. We have um, so many people that have such great experiences. They just might think, ah, oh, that's a girl drummer. She's you know, she's just in the pit. She doesn't know anything about uh, rudimental drumming. And so you just have to put that in your mind and then, you know, show them wrong and, and let them know without telling them, I like to be non-confrontational, that, you know, you do know how to do that. And I am so grateful to our great Tennessee uh, female percussionist that we have here, uh, Julie Hill, and especially uh, Miss Julie Davila. Uh, they have been such great influences in my life, and I am so grateful uh, to have them. And they've been wonderful uh, leaders and example and mentors to me as, as female percussionists and leaders within our fields. Well, so that I can be a better human, and perhaps there's some other people on here that, that um, may find themselves guilty. Are there, are there any, you mentioned that you tend to reflect, and, and that's absolutely a wonderful way to, to kind of um, to handle those. As you look back and you reflect on some of those, 
What are some of the most frequent little things that you see where you think, you know, I don't think that individual meant anything by that, but the way it was perceived, and as we all know, perception is reality, was perhaps opposite of their intent. So what are some of the things, perhaps for any of our male listeners, and even myself as a husband and as a father, that sometimes we get wrong pretty regularly? Such a good question. And I love that you said perception is reality because that's so true. Even though you perceive something, that may not be the intent of the other person. And that's why I am non-confrontational because I may I am extra sensitive. I'm always, I do know that about myself. And so I try to reflect upon that. But I, th- I think the biggest thing is just being mansplained things. Um, I, that's kind of a word that is, is out there now, being mansplained. Just having things explained to me that I I, yeah, I, I know how to put a drum set together. I, I, I know how to do that. I'll, I'll, if I have a question, I'll ask, or if I need help, I will absolutely ask. But just thinking about how you, um, how you say things to people. I, I really, one of my administrators had all of the faculty take a color test. And so each personality has a color. And it really, really helped me in communication with other people that I might not see eye to eye. I uh, always end up scoring as an orange, which is an extrovert, and jumping right into things. And I don't do well with greens, and greens are very logical and kind of scientific and analytical. And so I I tell myself, oh, they're just a green. They're just explaining to you how this works. Oh, that person's upset. They're a blue. You said the way you said that may have hurt their feelings. And that really helps me kind of identify and, and speak with everybody. So I think just, just be conscious of how you are speaking, not just to females, but to everybody and make sure you're not talking down to them. Well, when you use the word mansplaining, my wife was somewhere nodding vigorously, uh, <laughs> as you explain that, because I, I have been accused of that, and uh, I do my best to be very cognizant of that. But but again, perception is reality, and so it's something that, um, in my opinion, the responsibility is on the speaker, not the listener, uh, to ensure that their intent is is lined up with perception. You know, That's great. That's, that's such our, good advice. I agree. That's our responsibility. So, Alexis, I think you and I could sit and talk for another hour, but to be respectful of your time... I I would just love to hear before we we dial off here, what kind of closing thoughts, perhaps final advice or reflections would you want to share if you could go back in time and speak to your younger self or when you're sharing with younger music educators? Gosh, such, so great. And we, as we age, in my head, I'm still 18. I still feel like I, I can't believe I'm whatever age that I am because it, it, I still feel like I'm young in my head. Um, and I would definitely tell myself, uh, here's what I would tell myself, Nick, you do have to find time for yourself. And you, we keep hearing the words self-care. And, and as music educators, we are pulled in so many directions that it, and I still am not good at this. I, I, you have to close the door, walk away from the band room, walk away from the theater, walk away from the choir room. You're, it's not all going to ever be done. You can't leave with a clean desk every day because there's just not enough time to do what we do. It's a different 
Uh, it's just a different beast of what we do as music educators. Um, so I encourage you to set a timer, and, and I'm speaking to myself as well, set a timer. You don't have to be the last one at school or the first one there. It, it's okay to give yourself a break and give yourself some time. Go eat with the Spanish teachers uh, after school one day. Go hang out with your your significant other um, and make sure that you're investing in those relationships as well uh, and not just your job. Even though I know all of us don't consider this just a job, it really is it's my identity. And um, sometimes that's great. And sometimes you really have to step away and make sure that you're feeding those other relationships with friends and family and find that time to take care of yourself. That's my biggest advice is to find that work-life balance. Yeah, that's great advice because I seem to recall some sort of saying about not being able to pour from an empty pitcher. And uh, I, I think that's such wonderful advice for everybody. It really is. It really is. And I notice our, um, the younger generation and my students and my uh, interns that I've had here recently, they are much better at being in tune with their mental health, their physical health. And I think people that are more my generation just push through it, just suck it up, buttercup and push through it. And I, that, I don't necessarily think that that's super healthy and we've got to take care of ourselves. So you're absolutely right. You can't get anything from a empty cup. That's right. Well, Alexis, thank you so much. I have so much to thank you for uh, the impact you're having on your students there in Middle Tennessee, the way you are expanding the definition of music for your time today, for your leadership to Tennessee music educators. Just thank you for everything that you have done because your excitement and your enthusiasm is just contagious. And I know there are listeners here who are feeling that excitement uh, coming through their speakers right now. Thank you, Nick. This is this has been great. I, I really enjoyed getting to talk to you and uh, talk about things that I'm passionate about. That's Alexis Yatushis Derryberry, general music teacher at Stewart's Creek High School in Smyrna, Tennessee, talking with Nick Averwater here on After Hours Conversations for Music Educators, which is presented by Amro Music. This podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. You can hear many more conversations at amromusic.com slash after hours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.